Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of No Limits. My name is Scott Morgan, Rock Motor City, Mad Mountain. Glad to have Steve Ballesteri. Steve, this is our Veterans Day uh, No Limits, and we're no better person to have on the broadcast than you. Well, thanks for inviting me. As always, I love uh, talking sports with you on a weekly basis, but now we, we get to talk about some that's near and dear to my heart. But hey, what better way to talk about Veterans Day on Veterans Day than being in the middle of a hurricane in South Florida? It doesn't get any better, does it? No, no, no. Alongside of us tonight is Candy Evelyn. Candy, regular co-host of No Limits. Uh, hello, Candace. Well, hello, both of you, and happy Veterans Day to both of you. Thank you. All right. Well, you know what? We're all veterans in our own sense, but not quite the other ones. But let's talk about a little bit of football since Steve and I like to go ahead and talk about football. I have no choice but to bring up a game that occurred on Sundays that we thought was going to be a game with two veteran quarterbacks. Oh, boy, they didn't look like them. Uh, case in point, New Orleans Saints 38, the Tampa Bay Bucks 3. As I said, two veteran quarterbacks. Tom Brady looked every bit like it. 209 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions, three sacks, and probably an earful from Bruce Arians. Drew Brees, 222 yards, four touchdowns, no earful from Sean Payton. The game of the week turned out to be the disaster of the week. Mr. Ballesteri, your thoughts about the Sunday night massacre? It was a massacre. We were expecting a high-scoring, great football game. This one... You know, watching the game, I thought it was over by the end of the first quarter. You could tell Tampa Bay came out awfully flat on both sides of the ball. New Orleans was gashing, you know, what everyone was, you know, touting as this great defense. And the the Tampa Bay offense just looked completely discombobulated. Yeah, they did. I mean, I don't think anybody – this is the first time I believe that Tom Brady's lost two games to the same opponent in his entire career and the, uh, during the regular season divisional opponent. So couldn't have come at a worse time. Candy, any thoughts about the game that wasn't the game? I think it just goes to prove that any given team can beat any other given team. Um, what, we all, what we might think is going to be the best game might not be the best game. I mean – I look at, I mean, I'm a Packers fan, and, and the Tampa Bay Bucks shredded my Packers, and now New Orleans shredded Tampa Bay. So it just proves that you really need to come out playing flat. You can't start out, you know, slow. You just need to be on top of your game to, to play in the NFL. Yeah, well, definitely the Buccaneers were at the bottom of their game, and they looked like a laughing stock. The Saints came marching into Tampa, and they were beating to a different drum, and it looks like the Buccaneers find themselves swimming with a lot of second-guessing, wondering whether or not this team has what it takes to play in the Super Bowl in its own stadium, referencing the Raymond James Stadium. So might as well get that game out of the open since Steve and I like to talk football. Well, I don't know if I call that football. I don't know what to call that. I just know that it was a disaster for the Tampa Bay Bucks. 
Meanwhile, we're going to talk football, but this is a very different one, Veterans Day-related theme. I had the good fortune of covering the Detroit Lions versus San Diego Chargers on Veterans Day, November 11, 1996. In front of 60,425 people at Jack Murphy Stadium, Monday Night Football. And Bobby Ross was the coach for the Chargers. Wayne Fonts was the coach for the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to tell you something. This was an unbelievable football game. San Diego did win it 27-21 over Detroit. San Diego was 6-4. and four. Uh, The Lions were 4-6 and six in that contest. But to me, I happened to be in Las Vegas uh, prior to that. I flew into San Diego for the game. And it was just unbelievable because, you know, when you leave a electrical place like Vegas where you're throwing money away and gambling and then you're going to a game, you get a different feel that you're not going to spend as much money in San Diego. But you knew the magnitude of the night, being a veteran's night in a military town. If anybody knows anything about covering a sporting event in a military town, the two biggest places to do it are Jacksonville and San Diego. But Barry Sanders in that game for Detroit – uh, went for 16 carries, 51 yards. He had two touchdowns. Don Mikowski, a lot of people associate him with the Green Bay Packers, was a long quarterback, went 10 of 18 for 110 yards in that contest. And Scott Mitchell was the backup quarterback, 5 of 9, 49 yards, two sacks. Who's going to remember those numbers? But Brett Perriman also had a touchdown for the Lions. But when you put the night in perspective, you know, you talk about Stan Humphrey's having a big night for the Chargers, 24 of 32, 311 yards, two, three touchdowns, 136.3 quarterback rating. It, to me, it was just unbelievable to cover a game on Veterans Night. It just was. You know, the flag is the length of the field like it is on any military holiday, but for some reason on that night, the experience was too surreal, Stephen Candy. Yeah, and being in a military town like it is in San Diego, you know, a lot of people don't equate San Diego as being a military town, but that's, uh, I mean, they have some big bases there. In fact, uh, I was talking with a guy last week, and he was uh, a former Navy SEAL, and he was telling me about where the SEALs go through their training. It's right next to the civilian beach in San Diego, and you know, as you are well aware of, Navy SEALs go through some really tough training. And he said, you'd be laying in the surf with the water rushing over you and you're freezing cold and you're hypothermic. And then 50 yards away, you can see people standing out on the deck of a bar, having cocktails, having a great time. <laughs> and, and you're in the middle of all this. It's, it's a very different place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, that night, 60,425 people were there. It was electric. And again, covering Monday night football is one thing, but when you do it on such a stage, when you have a national day like that, it just takes it to such unbelievable levels. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go ahead and list a couple things, and I want you guys to associate everything that comes to mind. First of all, Veterans Day. Honoring the military. Yeah, and for me, I think it's not only just the military, everyone who served in it. Um, You know, it's a a day where we honored, you know, Veterans Day is more about the uh, Day of the Living, whereas Memorial Day, 
we, we honor the dead. But a lot of times on Veterans Day, we also honor the, the guys who maybe, and women, that came home and are now are no longer with us um, for one reason or another. But uh, it's, it's a time where, you know, we honor everyone who served because everyone's story is important. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go in order whether I like it or not. When you're covering the Detroit Lions, every day is a Veterans Day. I'm not so sure what I really mean by that, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a veteran writer covering a team with, that has a, won a uh, championship. It's my birthday, December 29, 1957. But on that night, it was unbelievable. And I'm thankful that the Lions, I was traveling with their crew to be around some of the best PR people. And, you know, that team had a lot of good players on there. Brad Perriman was on that team. Barry Sanders, if you ever work with a guy like him, to me it was unbelievable. And the San Diego Chargers have a pretty good history in their own right, too, before they went on to L.A. You know, you talk about Bobby Ross, Don Coriel, Dan Fouts, Kellen Winslow. You know, to me, it's just unbelievable. You also have Jack Murphy Stadium. I don't know if you've ever uh, gone out there and been to Jack Murphy Stadium. Steve, ever been there? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's, it's. I know they're tearing it down and building a new stadium over there for San Diego State University. So uh, it'll be completed. But it's still one of those old multi-purpose stadiums, which to me, you know, it's too bad it has to go. But obviously it's time to, you know, the Chargers are no longer there. And now it's the San Diego State. Uh, it'll be San Diego State football. I know, Katie, you haven't spent much time in the San Diego area, but what are your, but Bobby Ross is an interesting story. He went on to coach the Detroit Lions shortly thereafter, and then he ended up coaching, uh, I believe, the Army later on. What are your thoughts about Bobby Ross, Steve? I always liked Bobby Ross. I, I followed him pretty closely when he was the coach at Maryland. Um, and, you know, he, he took over the Chargers at that one time, and it seemed like they were starting to turn the corner, and then they let him go, and uh, you know, I, I had forgotten completely he ended up in, with the uh, Detroit Lions at that time. But, you know, when I think of Bobby Ross, I always think of Maryland. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Ross, I believe Frank Reich was his quarterback there, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frank Reich. And now everybody knows that Frank Reich is the head coach of Indianapolis Colts. Okay, Barry, uh, Candy, we know we're not going to talk about Bobby Ross, but once upon a time, and this haunts the Packer fans, Green Bay Packers had a chance to get Barry Sanders, but Tony Mandrich uh, was drafted. But you faced Barry Sanders, Candy. Uh, did you at least appreciate the talent that you had to see two times a year with Barry? Of course. I mean, he was he was a very good running back and hard to defend against. So, of course, if you're a fan of the game, you're a fan of Barry Sanders, whether you are a fan of Detroit or not. How can you not be a fan of a great running back? Steve, your thoughts about Barry Sanders? Same thing. I mean, um, I, I, my favorite Barry Sanders moment came against my my team, the New England Patriots. I believe it was a Sunday night game where I think he juked about nine members of the Patriots defense, including one guy three times on his way to the end zone. I'm trying to remember that defensive back's name and, Afterwards, uh, that guy, you know, he looked terrible, obviously, uh, but he just laughed about it. And he was like, that's Barry Sanders. He's broke more ankles than anyone. So, you know, um, 
I mean, again, that's what it's all about. It's it's about respect for the game. And you, maybe you don't cheer for him when he's playing against your team, but you definitely have that level of respect. Yeah, I had the good fortune of covering him during his prime, and I covered him a lot of years, one of the most down-to-earth level-headed players. I caught up with him, took a photo with him at the Super Bowl here in Miami. It was good catching up with him. I'll never forget the time. And I, I used to love watching – you know, him every week as he kept moving up the rushing leaders chart. Who did he pass this week? Who did he pass? I saw him get a 10,000th rushing yard over the Astrodome in Houston against the Houston Oilers. But the game that I'll always stand out is up the road from you in Tampa at the old Tampa Stadium. And, you know, you're not allowed to cheer in the press box, as you well know. But, you know, I'm staying at the Lions Hotel, and I talked to Barry before the game. And he had two 80-yard touchdown runs in one game. And obviously a lopsided Lions win. And the, at that time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers director of public relations, Chip Namus, has been a very good friend of mine for like 38 years. Not supposed to cheer in the press box. He wouldn't kick at all of us out here for cheering in the press box. And Barry lit up the Buccaneers. So it was unbelievable. One of the most down-to-earth superstars handed the ball off to the officials and never really uh, did care for the celebrations and the way he carried himself. I think arguably the greatest running back of all time. So it's pretty hard to argue that. So, so all right. So let's go on to some, uh, all right. I'll we'll start off with you, Steve Army. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was the branch that I served in. So uh, it's obviously near and dear to my heart. And actually last night, there was some really good news for some army people um, I was covering a story for the military site that I write for, um, softrep.com, and there was, uh, there's was there been a, a movement for uh, the Army to upgrade a Silver Star, which is the third highest medal for valor, for a Florida boy called, uh, his name is, was Alwyn Cash, and uh, the Senate passed it last night. It's going in front of the president. It should be today. And as soon as the president signs it, Alwyn Cash's mother will uh, receive his Medal of Honor. He died in 2005. It's a great story. Uh, serving in Iraq, his, his uh, vehicle was blown up. He was covered with fuel. He was on fire. And he went three times back into the burning vehicle, although he was on fire himself, and uh, tried to pull wounded guys out of there. Um, his, what was left of his uniform was melted to his body, and he still refused medical treatment wow. until all of his guys were taken care of first. And uh, yeah, he was from Florida. Um, Representative Stephanie Murphy, I believe it was, spearheaded this uh, move. It, it took a while to get it through Congress, but yeah, it, I think that's what symbolizes everything that's great about the military and, and the people that are in it. Guys like him, you know, totally selfless. And today, uh, you know, when I think about the Army, I'm thinking about a guy like Alwyn Catch. Candy? Um, Army is also where one of my friends served. Um, he served in um, Operation Iraqi Freedom. He unfortunately was killed over there on November 9th, 2004. And I'll never forget 
11 11 of 2004 two days later because we learned of his passing and we had a memorial service and um it it touched my heart i mean you know here he served for our freedom you know and we can never say thank you enough and so that's what army means to me the staff sergeant todd cornell operation means to me my father served in it in fort sill oklahoma i actually visited that army base many years ago when i was on the road my uncle bob stroll uh, was in there he was in the vietnam war and another close friend jerry weinberg there served as well and you know i think when you put things in perspective we actually had a few uh, college games last weekend. Uh, three of the military schools were canceled because of COVID-19. So it's amazing how they put their lives on the line uh, every single uh, minute that they're out there with our service and yet COVID-19 isn't allowing them to play sports. Go figure. Welcome to 2020. And for a lot of you folks that have never been to Arlington Cemetery, you have to go. You just do Absolutely. It's a, it's an amazing place. I will um, there, Candy. Trust me. That, that'll be a high priority list. You've got to go. I've been there before, actually. Yeah. Well, we'll go it, there yes. if you need, because obviously one of the uh, guys who are really uh, one of the greatest broadcasters that I ever revered is Frank Reynolds. And I'm sure, uh, Steve, you can relate to Frank Reynolds real well. I, there are a lot of great people in Arlington Cemetery, but Frank Reynolds to me is a consummate profession. Uh, professional in our industry broadcasting he really is and arlington cemetery i will go back there before it's all said and done yeah it's a must do yeah and uh to watch the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier is something that everyone should see um and it's an amazing place and you know some of the the funerals that go on there every day the guys that do that it's all done with tremendous uh respect and it's done with tremendous precision there and um it's just a it's an amazing place it was a beautiful mansion before the civil war it was owned by robert e lee and uh after the the war the civil war started that's the amazing part of uh, arlington is that when the civil war started the union army had offered lee commanding uh general of all of their armies and he turned it down because Virginia had gone with the Confederacy. So to, uh, to, I guess, punish him every time union soldiers were being buried, they buried them right in front of the Lee mansion. Interesting. And that's in, after the war was ended, they, there was so many graves there right in front of that. It became a, a national cemetery. That's how it came about. Wow, thanks for the history on that. I appreciate it. I still plan to go back there, so something you have to do. It's a, yeah, it's a great place. Now, Marine Corps, so let have, let, we can throw a little humor into this whole thing, okay? I, I My first exposure with the Marine Corps was watching Gomer Pyle uh, <laughs> uh, in it, you know, the Hollywood version, getting hammered by a sergeant. But don't kid yourself. Don't underestimate this type of service, you know, other than the fact that it was Hollywood eyes of Gomer Pyle. It's an important part of the big four, without a doubt, Steve. Absolutely. The, uh, I know a lot of Marines, and they, I, they always correct me if I say former Marines, because they always say there's no such thing as a former Marine. Once a Marine, always Marine. 
So I won't say that, but I know a lot of guys who were used to be active duty Marines. Um, and again, I'll go back to a guy I recently uh, spoke with. He's getting up in age now. He's in his 80s. Uh, his name is uh, Major James Capers. And Major Capers was actually a poster child for the Marine Corps. There used to be uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, there was a a recruiting theme where it says, ask a Marine, and there was this really buffed out uh, Marine Corps officer holding the saber, and that was Major Capers. If you ever read his story, it reads like a fictional account of uh, like one of those Hollywood B-movies. He, he performed and conducted so many uh, special missions during the war in Vietnam. It defies description. Um, He's a tremendous man. He's very humble. And there's move, excuse me, there's movement afoot to get him a well-deserved Medal of Honor. Um, so when I think of the Marines today, I think of a guy like James Capers, who to me epitomizes everything that's right with the Marine Corps. Ironically, my neighbor, Pedro, has kids that are in the Marine Corps as well. And it's good to see that they represent. Andy, some thoughts about the Marine Corps. Um, I think Marine Corps, they're, they're, a, they're a different group, just like all of the different um, divisions. Uh, their primary goal is to seize and control terrain. Um, I think sometimes people don't understand the differences between, Steve, can you explain a little difference? What's the difference between like the Army and Marine Corps? Well, the, the Marine Corps, when you look at the Marines, they're, they're based on... Uh, seizing like beachheads, uh, you know, along coastal waters. And they've, that's always been their main mission. And uh, you go back to the days of World War II and the island hopping campaigns in the Pacific. And the Marines were, I mean, they were the subject matter experts in that. And I, I just finished uh, reading another tremendous book. It was called With the Old Breed. And uh, it was written by, written, excuse me, by uh, a man from Alabama, uh, E.B. Sledge. And it, it talks about the absolute horrors those guys fought. And, you know, the army is uh, army of movement. So once the troops get ashore in another country, then you bring in, you know, a lot more troops and then you bring in armor and, you know, the army is the big army as we used to call it. Um, so yeah, that, that's the main difference. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Army and Marine guys were a lot of times storming the same beaches. So, yeah, and didn't Marine Corps had a birthday yesterday? That's right. The Marines uh, celebrate their birthday every year. They usually uh, all around the world they'll have a Marine Corps ball, um, which they celebrate their birthday. And a couple of times when I was overseas, we had some great bashes with the Marine <laughs> Embassy guards at the Marine Corps ball. And uh, those were, uh, I guess you could say, stories for another time. Ironically, <laughs> <laughs> of all the four services of Canada, not counting the Coast Guard, they're the only ones that don't uh, participate uh, in, in, with the NCAA, but that doesn't make them any better or worse. You have the Army, you have the Air Force, you have the Navy, and I, I think I do want to talk about the bucket list. I think you'll see an Army-Navy football game has probably got to be one of them as well. So. Yeah. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and we'll segue over to Navy. Okay, Steve, go ahead. Uh, what, what comes to mind with Navy? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Navy has been our backbone since uh, 1775 and protected our, you know, we, we have such a huge country with all this coastline and that's who protects us is the Navy. I mean, uh, those guys, uh, you, you got to take your hats off to them. I would not want to be on a submarine or aircraft carrier being out to sea for six months at a time, but that's what these guys do. And uh, they're in a different breed. I mean, you have to take your hats. I've been in a submarine and it's very claustrophobic. Even the new ones are that are so much bigger. I can't imagine guys who have to live in uh, that type of, you know, atmosphere. Man. It takes a different type of person and they're quite different from the Army and Marine Corps, but all the more power to them. Andy? I remember touring some of the submarines, like the U.S. Arizona, the U.S. Um, there's one in down in Mobile, Alabama, and we I've been on, and I've toured some of those. And the submarines, it just amazes me how small some of those quarters are, and to get from hallways in one position to another, and to know that how many men are on that, you know, submarine. Um, when they go to battle, it just amazes me. Yeah, I when, guess. when you go to Hawaii, obviously, I know you've Steve, been all over the world, but Pearl Harbor stands out. Of course, that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, you haven't been to Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, then that's another. Yeah, point. the battleship Arizona still, you know, under the water there, and, right. and we were in, in Pearl Harbor, and you know, it, it's uh, it's such a great shrine now, and the surviving and there are very few of them now surviving Pearl Harbor veterans are asking to be buried there with their old shipmates on the Arizona and it's always it's something to see you still see it occasionally because we're losing those guys at such a great rate but that's what uh, yeah it's it's a very moving place and to see it still there it's hard to believe that that area of our country ever saw a war I've been to Pearl Harbor twice, and I you go back there as many times as you want, you still get the same effect of it for sure. So, and back in the day when there were VCR tapes, I think I have a few with a VCR. I, I like to be able to pop one in there, look, but there's nothing like being there in person. And Candy mm-hmm. and I had the good nature of going there. What was about a year and a half or so ago, uh, a couple of years ago, 
So it was pretty cool. So Air Force. Candy, you want to take it first? Sure. That focus. We all think of them as the guys that fly, but many of them don't fly. Many of them are, you know, supporting the guys that fly and working on the air bases and protecting the bases and the airstrips, guarding missile sites and doing even some of the rescues. That's what comes to mind when I think of Air Force. Yeah, and th those guys are, I mean, especially the fighter pilots. I mean, they, they get to fly the the Ferraris of our military's uh, equipment. Um, mm -hmm. It's some some really cool stuff. And uh, I remember working closely with fighter pilots overseas and, and they have a different mindset. And, uh, you know, we used to joke with uh, this one Air Force Colonel who was an F-15 pilot, which was our, you know, until just recently, that was our top of the line fighter. And uh, he used to tell us, the only difference between God and a fighter pilot is God doesn't think he's a fighter pilot. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, that's, uh, you know, and the Air Force really takes care of its own people. We used to always be amazed at either overseas or in the United States, the living quarters between Army, Marine personnel and Air Force was like night and day. Air Force takes really, really good care of their people. It's good to know. It really is. Okay, let's go to the Coast Guard. Yeah, Coast Guard. I mean, you're talking, you know, these days we hear them all the time. You know, when fishermen get or pleasure boaters get caught in a storm like we're having today. I mean, no pleasure boater should be out off the coast of Florida today, but we all know that some people will. And when they run into trouble, the guys from the Coast Guard have to go and not only find these people, but rescue them, and they put their lives on the line. But they also do a lot of the drug interdiction for the illegal drugs that are coming into our country. And, uh, you know, it's a thankless job, and it's never-ending, but those are the guys that are on the front line. They protect our borders by the water, you know, and they, like you said, they help civilians too, which is probably more, they're probably more with civilians than any of the other branches or divisions mm -hmm. of the Department of Defense. Yeah, well, civilian friendly. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, well, you, Candy, you alluded to this before. I'll bring it back up. Anthem Veterans Memorial. So give me some other thoughts about that. So there's, I've actually never been, but this is on my bucket list. There's a park, it's called Anthem's Veterans Memorial. It's in Anthem, Arizona, which is in the little part of Phoenix, Arizona. It was built in 2011. It has five white pillars that are of different heights and they represent each military branch of the department and they're in the Department of Defense order. So there's a pillar for Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. Each pillar has an elliptical opening that slants downward. On the ground, there's a um, the Great Seal of the United States. At 11 a.m., 11, 11, 11, on the 11th, on Veterans Day, the sun actually hits all five pillars and it shines down onto the Great Seal of the United States. 
These are also surrounded by 1,750 red paving stones engraved with the names of veterans. And then the blue sky represents the red, white, and blue of the flag. So the red stones, the white pillars, and the blue sky represent the U.S. flag. And I just think that sounds like a really cool place to be, especially on Veterans Day. I've been to Anthem, Arizona, never uh, to that area, but we've gone there before. But I could see another trip. Uh, next trip I could see going to Arizona, God willing, would be to cover a football game over at State Farm Stadium, which is what it is now. We did tour that facility before, you know, and uh, why not take that out at the same time? It'll be interesting. But I used to live in Arizona for a couple of years. And I, I love it out there. I can move here to South Florida to be around my family. I have to look back on that, but right now, now and then I go out to Arizona. It's a great place, and I'm very well aware of Anthem, Arizona. All right, well, here's a controversial one, Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the guys that uh, trained me when I came into the military were Vietnam vets, and we didn't do a good, a very good job at whatsoever of, uh, you know, bringing those guys home. Um, you know, the, the country has since changed and that that's changing but when a lot of those guys came home it was a very unpopular war with the people in the united states and they took it out on the guys who were uh, forced to serve there because a lot of those guys didn't choose to today we have an all-volunteer force back in vietnam most of the guys who went over there were draftees they didn't want to go to vietnam uh so you know, when the people were coming home, the, there was no parades, there was no celebrations, you know, they were basically shunned. And, you know, that's, to me, that's, that's a black mark in our history. We didn't take care of the people that take care of us. You know, uh, whether you want to argue we shouldn't have been there in the first place, that's sure. But you don't take it out on the people that go. And uh, we didn't do a good job of that. We didn't do a good job of taking care of those guys when they came home with not only physical but mental uh, issues. Um, I spoke with a woman last week uh, whose father was a guy who suffered from severe PTSD. And, you know, he went to the VA to get help when he came home. And they basically told him to suck it up and deal with it. Wow. And that's... Uh, that was the kind of welcome home those guys got. Um, so that whenever I think of Vietnam, that's what I think of because, uh, you know, as a country, we failed those veterans who, who served us. You know, my uncle Bob served there and was Agent Orange. Mm -hmm. That to me stands out when you think of Vietnam. You talk about being disrespected of all military group. These guys definitely deserved a much better fate than what they ended up getting for sure. And, I remember when everybody was upset with Muhammad Ali didn't want to serve in it. Maybe he was smarter than a lot of us thought. And he took the wrong end of the criticism. I won't go that far, but I, I've always revered Muhammad Ali as one of my all-time favorite athletes. And I'm, I'm proud to say I had a chance to spend time with Muhammad Ali and visited his grave site when we were up there this past year. But Vietnam War, we didn't need to be there, but we needed to take care of these people better. And as I said, my Uncle Bob served there and it's, it's just, a, unfortunately, and it's a shame. I'm glad they have a Vietnam Memorial, but they need a lot more to give these guys a better do than they did. So, Andy? I actually have both my uncles served, and luckily they both came back. 
but I can honestly say I know my dad didn't want to go and luckily my dad didn't have to go he actually is a teacher so that was one of the set groups of people that didn't get drafted or weren't forced to go over there um, both my uncles came back but I can honestly say I agree with you Steve PTSD I think is something that they recognize the VA recognized much later in life um, both of my uncles when I ask them any questions about the Vietnam War they still to this day don't want to talk about it so they've I don't think they've ever really and maybe they've talked about it with other veterans and it's a, it's very different then but my uncle I remember a number of years ago he had a story and it's the only story he's ever told me about being over there and he said he was lucky very lucky because he was in they were moving um, in Vietnam and he was in one of the jeeps and it was a parade of a bunch of jeeps and two jeeps in front of them they went over um, a bomb or they were bombed and he goes my friends Mike you know my unit some of them were in there and they died and the way he told the story and how long it took him to tell us that story not only years later but even as he was telling the story he had to pause so much so you could tell that those emotions are still so raw that they don't talk and they don't have the outlet that I think we're starting to know now and the VA is starting to recognize and help people with PTSD more so than they ever did the people that fought in Vietnam. Oh yeah, and, and, and speaking of PTSD, as you said, the VA starting to get much better with it, but the military still is lagging very, very far behind because, you know, we, we talk about guys who served in Vietnam, most of them served 12 months and then got to come home. Some who stayed in the military went back for a second, some even a third tour. Um, in World War II, some of the guys served in combat much longer but, you know, we're looking at our veterans today and, you know, we're talking about these forever wars. A lot of guys have been to Afghanistan six, seven, eight times and Iraq six, seven mm -hmm. times. Uh, and, you know, we, we think about what these guys went through back in the day. These guys are going through it today. And you, you have to recognize that this is a, a major problem, but you know, what's going on in the military. Yeah, once guys get out, they're able to access stuff for PTSD, but while they're still active, it, uh, we're seeing with a lot of these guys, if they ask for help, their security clearance gets immediately revoked. And that's sending the exact wrong message. We want the guys to be able to get better and having them bottle it up inside and not getting any help by revoking their security clearance is, is sending the exact wrong message for these guys. And that's something that it, we could spend two more podcasts talking nothing sure. more about that. But I just thought I would add that in there. And speaking like you said about, you know, your family members, my dad served in World War II and he never talked about it. Even after I was home from the military, I'd come home. My dad would never 
talk about the board. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, let's transition over to a real American hero. And I know everybody, in my opinion, when it comes to military, are heroes. But here's one that stands out is Pat Tillman. And a man that gave up his entire football career after 9-11. The servant was at the Army, the Ranger Division, if I recall. Yeah, he was in the uh, Army's uh, Ranger Regiment. Right, so that's what I heard, and then he died in friendly fire, and of course the cover-up, but let's talk about the legacy of Pat Tillman and not all the other circumstances around it. Here's a person, to me, gave up millions of dollars to serve the military. I don't think it gets much bigger than that. No, and when you think about a guy like Pat Tillman, he, he thought so strongly about what happened that, like you said, he gave up a contractor. He's going to be paid over a million dollars. And, you know, to take a, about a 99% pay cut to join the military um, because he felt so strongly about it. Now, you know, later on after, uh, you know, he had been to Afghanistan a couple of times, he, he started having obviously different feelings about what we were doing over there. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he answered the call for his country. He believed very strongly in that. And... Uh, you know, that's the kind of selfless sacrifice and, and, and it, military service is that it's, it's selfless. It's, it is a, a you know, it's a, a, it's a career in sacrifice. Your needs and wants come second to those of the country and guys like Pat Tillman, you know, epitomize that. You talk about USS Arizona, play for Arizona state. Maybe the Arizona Cardinals don't get any more Arizona than that. Yeah. Pat Tillman, Candy, some thoughts. As I as I think of him, I think selfless. You know, because like Steve said, when you go into the military, you're saying I'm going to do whatever I need to to protect my country, because my country is more important or bigger than me. Um, you sacrifice yourself because you risk knowing that you could be putting yourself in harm's way. You could, you know, obviously get killed. You could, um, and I just think that anybody that does that deserves a level of respect. So I would say respect is my word for Pat Tillman. Okay. All right, Candy, you brought up Todd Cornell. I'll continue on your thoughts about Todd Cornell. Todd Cornell, um, he was, it wasn't his first tour in Iraq. It was, he had talked to his parents days before um, he was killed. He told his parents he was coming home shortly. He was part of the group that were, that trained some of the people over in Iraq. He, I'll never forget. He sent, he talked to his parents about the day they um, took over Saddam Hussein's place of residence and how they took over that, the palace. And his parents never thought he was coming. When they talked to him last, he said, I'm coming home in a couple of days. I have one last, um, one last thing that we need to do, and then we're going to come home. His parents just never thought he'd come home that way. Okay, fair enough. 
All right, let's go back into Operation Iraqi Freedom. What stands out in your mind, Steve, about Operation Iraqi Freedom? There's a lot of things that stand out in my mind with that. Um, you know, when we think back to that, I mean, it was, you know, in hindsight, sure, it was unnecessary. We probably shouldn't have had to do that, but situations being what they were, we sent our guys in there. It's, you know, it was a very bloody conflict and, you know, we're still seeing that thing drag on because of other state actors being involved in what's going on there. But uh, again, I think you saw what was the best parts of our military. The guys go in there, you know, they took care of business. They uh, went in there and were fighting impossible odds. And, you know, it, when you're, they defeated Saddam Hussein's army in a relative very short fashion, but then you're fighting a, what they term now asymmetrical war, which is a guerrilla type warfare where, you know, the guy might be a civilian on the street selling fruit one minute and then at night he's attacking you or later that day he, he's attacking you by planting bombs and, you know, trying to snipe at your, at your flank. So uh, it's an incredibly difficult situation to be in, but I think by and large, the men and women who served over there served extremely honorably and uh, they deserve a ton of credit for doing what they did. Andy? Uh, I mean, it, it lasted from 2003 to 2011, so it was not a short mission. Um, overthrowing the government of Saddam Hussein was their objective. Um, I, I mean, it, it's always sad when you know somebody personally that was killed in a mission or in a conflict. I know it happens, but we all say, you know, I just, I have a lot of respect for them. Um, like, like I said, it was probably not something that everybody really wanted to go do, but again, they knew it had to be done. And so they went willingly because this is what they thought they needed to do. Um, and again, it, it just, it, it saddens me, but it, at least it's, it's over. I guess that's in a nutshell. So my question, uh, and uh, I just wanted to add something real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, no. Um, you know, looking back, and, and what a lot of people don't realize is how fragmented that society is in Iraq because of what Saddam Hussein was doing for so many years over there. Um, that all took place after I was retired from the military, but I worked as a contractor. And I had uh, over 100 Iraqis at any given time working for me under the army contract that I was working. And I had people of Shia, Sunni. Um, I had Iraqi Christians. I also had Kurdish people. Uh, none of those people really get along with each other. So you can imagine if they're not getting along with each other, how difficult it is for us to work with them. And it was, uh, we used to try to equate it 
by getting them all working together as like trying to herd cats in a bag. So. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So my question to you, Steve, I often wonder, I'm not going to turn this into something too political, but Operation Desert Storm, George Bush, number one, as I call him, mm-hmm. finishing the job. You feel that uh, George Bush, number two, had to finish what his dad started that led to this whole type of thing. And I have a gut feeling, and again, I'm not turning this into anything too political, <laughs> that that may have cost George Bush, number one, the election that he didn't finish the job to get rid of Saddam Hussein, where his son had to finish what he started. Yeah, I, I think you can make that argument. And again, we're not going to get into political discourse, because that's not why we're here today. Right. However, um, I think you can definitely make that argument. But at the same time, I know that the elder Bush, and again, we're starting to delve into political right. what ifs, but they were afraid at the time of creating a power vacuum inside of Iraq at that time. And they were afraid of Iran moving in. Right. And, and which we've come to see in now, in, in the here and now, that the Iranians now have a huge influence on what's going on in Iraq. And again, I'm, I'm kind of going off the rails here. But. That's okay. No big deal. It's just basically a hypothetical yeah. question. Yeah. I'll try to keep it in perspective there. And I appreciate you uh, answering the question for me. Thank you. So with that said, they'll go from one president to another president, the one has two W's attached to his name, Woodrow Wilson. Candy, you brought up Woodrow Wilson. Let's talk about Mr. Uh, Woodrow Wilson. We know that we don't have a, a Wilson baseball glove named after him or any of the Wilson uh, bats. <laughs> I had to add a little humor to this whole broadcast. After all, we do that every so often, even on a very serious note, but handing some interpretations of President Woodrow Wilson. Well, Veterans Day evolved from Armistice Day which was proclaimed in 1919 by President Woodrow Wilson. So it was the armistice is when warring parties agreed to stop fighting. And Armistice Day recognizes the end of World War I when hostilities ceased on November 11th at 11 a.m. 1918, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And so he was the one that really started the national holiday more power to them absolutely (laughs) yeah you know when i think of that i mean originally that's what it was it was armistice day and then in europe they started changing it 
uh, I, I want to say it was just around the beginning of World War II to Remembrance Day, where it was honoring all the service members, not only for World War One, but all of their conflicts over there. And then in the U.S., we changed it later on to All Veterans Day. Now it's just considered Veterans Day. And it all started with uh, President Wilson. And, um, you know, it was funny. And again, we're, we're getting into politics and I shouldn't be doing that. But if uh, President's, President Wilson's initial, I think it was called 14 points, was uh, enacted by the people of Europe, we probably wouldn't have had World War II. So something to keep in mind. All right. Word remembrance, Steve. Yeah, I mean, when we look at Veterans Day, you know, we're remembering everyone who served not only uh, – you know, the here and now and today, but everyone who served before us, it's always a great thing um, because, you know, a lot of days like, like on today, a lot of the guys that I uh, served with, you know, we reach out to each other because it is Veterans Day and we might not have talked in the past eight, 10 months. And then, you know, it's a day where we reach out and we remember some of the guys that are no longer uh, amongst us. And it's always uh, good to do that. And I think it's, uh, it puts everything in perspective and it's something I look forward to. In fact, I've already gotten texts from two of my friends, one of them, since we've been on the air, I keep glancing over at my phone because I turned the sound off, but I'm still getting text messages where I can read them. That's a popular day for you. So Katie, your thoughts about remembrance. I think one of the things that comes to mind is remembering the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day, because I think people get it confused a lot. Um, I know Steve, you alluded to it earlier. Memorial Day is really for mem remembering and honoring military personnel who died in the service to their country, whether it was in battle or a wound that they sustained or anything like that. Whereas Veterans Day is really intended to thank all who have served honorably in the military, in war, or peacetime. Um, I think there's lots of ways we can do remembrance. There's, you can always go onto websites and look for different ways to remember Veterans Day because there's a lot of things. There's parades. There's um, virtual ev events that you can go on to. There is actually what's called a Veterans Day moment of silence which actually is at 3.11 Atlantic Standard Time. So that's 2.11 Eastern Time. And they ask you to um, observe two minutes of silence and just thank people at that time and think about the veterans and all that have served to protect our freedoms. Because we wouldn't have the freedom that we did to exercise to vote for, you know, the political office that we just voted for. We wouldn't have the freedom to be doing what we're doing now without veterans. So that's what comes to mind for me. What comes to mind for me, I think that we should remember about remembrance, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the Korean War, all the conflicts that we've been in, there, whether there were not, it's still an opportunity to remember every last one of them. I know we've talked about just a few, but I want to make sure the ones that stand out in my mind, we remember everyone. Everyone made the sacrifice. They did. And to me, I don't care if you were back in 1776 
or all the way to 2020, it doesn't make any difference. You have to remember everybody and don't shortchange a particular conflict because that wouldn't be fair to those for whom sacrificed. So, education. Yeah, I, I mentioned this to you because I wrote something and as I wrote an opinion piece on this the, this morning, I think that, you know, um, only 8% of our population has served in the military. So the vast, vast majority of our citizens have never served in the military. And, you know, we're getting this great disconnect between the people that do serve and the people that don't. It used to be that on our major colleges, you know, there was ROTC programs. And because of, of what happened in Vietnam and afterwards, a lot of the colleges did away with those and they're not allowed on major college campuses. And I think a lot of people in the United States have lost uh, the meaning of true cost of these wars. You know, we've been in Afghanistan and people have been dying there for the past 19 years. But, you know, talk to people that are in the journalist uh, profession as we are, and they say war stories don't sell. Yeah, now if there's a story of a hero, a guy that's gonna be get the Medal of Honor, people love that kind of stuff. But the day-to-day -day cost of what true war is costing us as a country in terms of humanity, we, we're losing a lot of that. And I uh, saw something where it said that 90% of American kids, and this was during the surge in Iraq in 2006, couldn't even find Iraq on a, on a map in school. So th this is something that we need to, you know, I think we could do better on as a country. And, you know, what we're seeing more and more, and when we talk about, you know, the cost of war, um, we're seeing more and more military type, quote unquote, families, where, you know, the, the people that served, like my era, their sons and daughters are serving now and their sons and daughters are, are growing up to serve in the military. So we're having even a bigger disconnect between the population because, you know, I think people really need to understand. And that's one of the things about Veterans Day. This is not only about the people, it's about the true cost of what it's, you know, what's going on in this country. And I think we really need to be aware of that. I couldn't say anything better than that. I'm, I'm just leaving it there with you, Steve Candy. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit. The, the theme for the 2020 Veterans Day po poster is Vision, Veterans in Focus. And they actually came out with a statement that says, looking back on centuries of veterans services and sacrifice and what we have learned from the past, we must always maintain the vision for the future of veterans. Putting the veteran at the center on Veterans Day, we continue to honor all who served while focusing on the needs of the next generation of veterans. I think we, we sometimes think of, here's one of the disconnects I think this country has, and I'm not gonna get too political, but I'm gonna get a little political. As a retired military personnel, we pay them less than we pay retired congressmen in this country. Yes, the congressmen make, make important decisions, but they don't put their life on the line like a military personnel does. And I think we need to recognize what they do and take care of them. 
because they laid everything on the line for all of us. So I think us as the rest of America, like Steve was saying, that there are some that aren't in the military and there's a disconnect. The people that haven't been in the military, it's our job to learn more and educate ourselves and help those that did serve. Candy, why don't you let the audience know about your experiences of working in credit unions, military, and so forth. I think you always tell me some interesting things, so I'd like you to bring those to the forefront. When I started my career in the banking industry, I actually worked in a credit union, and it was in the basement of the VA hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I got to see and talk to lots of veterans and honestly, they were, they have such interesting stories. And a lot of times all they want to do is talk to people. They just want to talk to people. They, they sometimes feel so alone and some people don't want to talk. Let me get, let me be clear. Like I talked earlier, my, my uncles, they totally don't want to talk about their time. I think the newer generation, they do want to talk about their experiences. They want somebody to listen to them and to help them. And, and I think that's where we fall short as a society. Okay. The we don't thing, engage with them. The one thing I'd like to see really happen, whether it ever does, and I'm going to relate to what we initially opened the broadcast with is me seeing a NFL game on veterans day between the lions and the chargers, the NBA wraps around Martin Luther King day and they play games on Martin Luther King Day. We've seen with COVID-19 that games can be played any day of the week. They really can. So I would love to see the NFL take Veterans Day and have a primetime football game to, commemor to bring a bigger platform for Veterans Day football, the National Football League. That's what I would really like to do. They have an incredible platform. They and a lot of viewership for national TV. And Steve, being a football guy like you are, and again, I started the broadcast with my Lions Charger thing as one of my more memorable football games I've ever seen in my lifetime. I think the NFL, they should. And, you know, again, 2020, you're going to learn about what the league can and can't do playing on awkward different days. You know what? You find a way to make certain days because every sport owns a particular holiday. Baseball generally owns July 4th. NFL owns Thanksgiving, the NBA owns Christmas Day, the NHL, you know, they own uh, holidays as well. So why not have a primetime game with the National Football League on Veterans Day and let everybody know how much we love everything they do. Uh, and, you know, all we can ever do is just thank the veterans because without them, we don't have what we have and we can't, we can be appreciative of what we do. So, so I think the NFL should take, uh, control over Veterans Day and the primetime football game. And me having covered games on Veterans Day and 9-11, is that my heart? Yeah. Is it for the perception of reality? Will it happen? I don't know. That's some, some thoughts. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a great idea because you look at some of the, well, actually a guy playing right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers, their left tackle, Albert, Alf, Albert Villanueva. Right. You know, he uh, he fought in Afghanistan as a member of the Ranger Regiment, the same regiment that Pat Tillman was in. And he was a combat leader. He came back from Afghanistan and he resumed his football career and 
Now he's playing for the Steelers. Uh, the Patriots long snapper, Joe Cardona, is a lieutenant in the Navy Reserve. Um, you know, graduated from the Naval Academy. I mean, these are the guys. Rocky Blyer was told he'd never walk again for the Steelers after he was wounded in Vietnam. Um, and not only did he walk again, he ended up playing pro football. There's so many of these guys' stories that are out there. I think it's a great idea. The NFL should definitely, you know, do more. And uh, they always have that salute to service thing. This would be a great opportunity to take it a step further. Yeah, salute to service. And we can talk about other guys in other sports, uh, Major League Baseball, where they've had lots of players who mm-hmm. have full careers. Cause they Ted had, Williams. Yeah, Ted Williams. I believe Hank Greenberg was another one of the Tigers. Mm-hmm. That and I'm sure that we could do a broadcast on great players. In fact, that might be a great idea down the road. And talk about some of the great players that have sacrificed their careers to go into the military. In fact, that's something we'll probably uh, pursue at some point down the road. I'm not going to get into a full-fledged debate whether players should kneel for national anthems or not, because that's a different argument. It's, it would be disrespectful to what the Veterans Day theme here is. But with all due respect, and I will say this because I believe it from my heart, Steve, I don't care what anybody says, I believe you do stand for the national anthem. And that's me talking from me. What the opinions of you and Candy are another story, but I think you should stand no matter what. But we'll, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, I think the NFL, if indeed they leave salute to service, take it to another level, play a game on national television for Veterans Day. We do it on Thanksgiving why not do it for Veterans Day? And you know what? I experienced it, and there was nothing more exhilarating than to be at Jack Murphy Stadium on 11-11-1996 than to watch a football game on the national stage uh, giving our thanks to veterans. And you know what? For all you folks, we mentioned it earlier in the broadcast, and I'll say it again. If you haven't been to Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia, get there. Get there as well as some of the other militaries. But Arlington National Cemetery, Steve, to me, is as big as it gets, isn't it? I think so. I mean, uh, that's where so many of our heroes and so many of our ex-presidents and, you know, uh, statesmen are all buried. So um, it's it's a historical place. It's a, a very solemn place, but it's definitely worth checking out if you're up in the Washington, D.C. area. Oh, what a great broadcast. This has been our Veterans Day show. If you're looking for it on, to find the episode, it'll be under Thank You Veterans. That will be the title of this broadcast because you know what? We owe them a big thanks and you couldn't give them a big enough thing. I'm just so thrilled to have Candy Eveling and Steve Ballesteri doing this special broadcast. I know that I've uh, while we're thinking the veterans, I just found ourselves a dynamic threesome here with the three of us. My goodness. A trio is born. No, Barbara Streisand, <laughs> I didn't go ahead and say a star is born. I said a trio is born. Or whatever. 11, 11, 20, 20. This is No Limits. My name is Scott Morgan, Ralph Motor City Manmouth. I'm with Candy Ebling and Steve Ballesteri. Steve Ballesteri does it all. He does the sports exchange, the real and the rare, and does No Limits. Uh, you want to talk about a hybrid, incredible friend, broadcast partner? Mr. Ballesteri is it. Glad to have him with us. So with that, Steve, said, Steve, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know how they can contact you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SteveB7SFG. Uh, I write for a, a football column for PatsFans.com uh, covering the NFL. I also write for SoftRep.com where I cover military and military affairs, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show. 
Um, and um, you can always find me on social media, on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always available. And uh, thanks for having me once again. Uh, this is a day that's near and dear to my heart. Well, I, you know, folks, I met Steve Ballastery on Twitter. I didn't realize a great friendship would come out of it, but you never know who you can meet, where you can meet them. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for his friend. Plus, the fact, I enjoy working with you as well. Candy, any uh, thoughts about what you do? Uh, I first, I want to go back a little bit just quickly, and I want to say thank you to, there's a company called um, the Alexander Company in the city of Milwaukee Housing Authority. They're actually on the Milwaukee VA Soldiers um, Home Historic District, where I used to work. I used to work in the grounds of Clement J. Zablocki VA Medical Center. They are actually renovating one of the old homes that was used in the Civil War, and it's going to become 101 housing units for to support veterans and their families who are homeless or at risk of becoming homeless. I think that is a great project. Um, I think we need to have more projects like that because there are veterans that need more help. Um, but as, as far as what I do here, I do, um, I run the website. I update our website, www.southfloridatribune.com. I put all the stories, the content up. I'm the editor. I then take all of our broadcasts and I put them up on our YouTube channel so you can watch them. Listen to them on Spreaker, any place where we have our, our you catch your pro podcast, you can catch any of ours. In other words, she's Thank the operation, folks. I go out there and uh, put a lot of this stuff together, and she's the one who makes sure that everybody can listen to it, watch it, whatever. All right. Well, so thanks for the opportunity. You know what, Candy? Robert Redford may be the natural, but you're pretty darn close to it in your own respect. <laughs> but what can thanks. I do? She's, she's great. So, all right, as far as social media is concerned, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Tribune South. That's at Tribune South. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, South Florida Tribune gets it done. I like to use a hat trick version for Steve Ballesteri because we always kick around. I've, 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 I've Rick used the word hat trick a lot. So our YouTube channel is South Florida Tribune. Please subscribe to it. I'll give you six reasons why you should. Sports Exchange No Limits. 108 Stitches Baseball Talk, Real and the Rare, Fantasy Football, South Florida Tribune Podcast. So six reasons why you should subscribe to that YouTube channel. you got six great broadcasts. Steve Ballesteri is working his way on the half of them already. This guy here is going to be the new host of the Real and the Rare. We do the sports exchange whenever there's pertinent sports to talk about. And, of course, he comes in, Aaron does no limit. So the, my hybrid uh, colleague. Our website is Candy alluded to www.southfloridatribune.com. We have our media distribution partners, the affiliate writers, the affiliate columns, the contributing writers, as well as the Motor City Monitor. We have a relationship with the Midwest and the broadcast. You'll find them there as well. Email us at southfloridatribune at gmail.com. And, of course, uh, you can catch up with me on LinkedIn, Scott Morgan Rock. Uh, the you want to hear the audio version of this broadcast, you can do so many different ways with the five that stand out. Our Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. If I talk too fast, don't worry. Get a notepad and a paper. Uh, but you can, I'll still give you an audio replay. Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. So what a great broadcast today. And I, I couldn't do this by myself, so I got the two best people out there, Steve Ballesteri and Candy Ebling. 
We're glad that you've been able, hope you've enjoyed this edition of No Limits. But meanwhile, on behalf of Steve Ballastery and Ken Ebling, my name is Scott Morgan Roth, the Motor City Madmouth. Thank you for joining us on this edition of No Limits. Have yourself a great Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, and thank you, veterans. We love you very much from our heart and our mind and wherever our soul is. So God bless. And, folks, get out to Arlington National Cemetery. All right, get going. Wear a mask, whatever, but get there and enjoy the rest of your day, folks. Have a great uh, – and also, one other thing I should mention, Candy, before we get off the air, get the COVID message. Forgot to do that. Want to make sure we get that in there real quickly. Make sure you're taking COVID-19 seriously. Please mask up, social distance, hand, use hand sanitizer, wash your hands, just be careful, and respect others. Okay. Well, I'll give you an audio replay. On behalf of Steve Ballesteri, candidly, my name is Scott Morgan, Roth of Motor City Madmouth. Thank you for joining us on this edition of No Limits. Catch you next time.